0: Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. We've got the show's namesake, BJ Shea, on assignment. He's doing too many busy things of being an important person or board gaming or probably arguing about resistance or something. I don't know. But we got running the boards, Joey D. Hey. On today's show, we will talk about The Expanse. Because Joe's watched that. It's awesome. There's an interesting new Magic the Gathering game, but it's not what we talked about on Friday. It's a little more like Diablo. We'll talk about the Kong vs. Godzilla trailer. And there's actually even more coming along from the old uh, uh, monster uh, squad from that. Vicky, you've been playing a game that you want to talk about, and of course we got the Geek Sheet with you. Uh, So uh, how can people get a hold of
1: us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknition.com. .com. Get our blog, podcast, and more. More. Or just, you know... DJ Shays Geek Nation, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Radio.com if you're trying to find us. And find us because I post lots of memes on the Facebooks and stories.
0: Yes, exactly. Lots of fun things that are uh, happening, going down. And uh, first, let's start off with the game that you have because it's a yes. fun, cute little card game.
1: Uh, Actually, uh, this is, uh, you, if you're in the area, I do very much recommend still supporting your local businesses, Zulu's mm-hmm. Board Game Café. Is selling this right now. It is called You Wish. You can also get more information at youwishgames.com. Basically, it's mixing Uno and Go Fish. So two <laughs> things I love. Yeah, right. I actually really love Uno. I know it's not like one of the cool, fancy board games or card games or anything, but Uno will always be on my top five, top ten list it's of a- games of all time.
0: Easy to learn. Lots of fun. And Everyone can play it. Yeah, exactly. Anyone can play it.
1: Um, But this is actually really, really cool because I love the fact that it plays up to eight players. You can play two to eight players. Oh, that's perfect. Ages four and up. The object is for each player to collect and complete as many sets of four matching magical creatures as they can. And there are a bunch of fun little characters. Uh, You do have like your Cyclops. Uh, your dragon, your end fairies and everything. And it's really, really adorable that you also have like your ask again card, you know, your draw two cards card. Uh, Like one of the turns could be something like, um, hey, dad, do you have, you know, an end?" That kind of a thing. You wish. (laughs) Oh, okay. okay, I I love the fact that they mix two different, uh, two things that we all already know and love and made it something new. Because, you know, like, Gofish when was the last time you played Go Fish?
0: Uh It's been decades, literally decades. I'm with you on that. Yes. I've played Uno fairly frequently, though, So uh,
2: and recently, I should say. Uno was <laughs> one of my favorite games to watch on Twitch because all the streamers bet on
0: it, and it gets are really aggressive. <laughs> I've oh, se- my God. I've seen a lot of people stream Monopoly oh, and get oh, super oh. aggressive with that, too, which is kind of hilarious when streamers are playing that.
1: Seriously? Like, Uno... Like, this might have to be a game I bring with me because I we've gone to radio conventions before. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's times where I'm like, I don't really feel like drinking a whole yeah. lot. I just want to sit. I don't want to go to a club or anything during our free time. And I've gotten together a group of radio people. All different walks of life, mind you, ages, and we're playing Uno and the crowd that formed around us because this game lasted two hours. (laughs) We could not get anyone to win.
0: And the best part about all of that, too, is like you can easily turn a game like this or Uno into a drinking game if everyone's of age and you are down for that sort of thing. Just the, the you wish could just turn into you drink. Oh, right. dude,
2: I've gotten a, <laughs> a, a real big stare going on when I'm thinking about what card to play. I'm like, what <laughs> color does it need to be this next <laughs> turn? I just look at them and I'm like, I'm going with red. And they're like, no! I'm trying to play some poker
0: with that one. <laughs> right? uh- <All> right,
1: so <laughs> let me tell you a little bit of how the game works and stuff. So you choose a dealer and you place the direction of play card stack near the center of the table with the direction of play pointing clockwise direction. The dealer then deals out each player seven cards for three to four players or five cards for uh, each for five to eight players. And the remaining cards are placed in the center of the table and these become the draw pile. So note when you're playing with fewer than six people before dealing, remove two sets of the four matching magical creatures and set them aside out of play. Um, So then the player on the left of the dealer starts during the player's turn. That player will do three things. Ask other players for matching cards, magical cards they themselves are holding until they are told you wish. Then you choose to play an action card if they have one, and then you draw a card from the draw pile at the end of their turn. So the player looking directly at any other player asks them by their name for any specific magical card they themselves are holding. For example, if it's John's turn, he has a mermaid card in his hand. He asks player Jane, Jane, do you have any mermaids? And if Jane is holding any mermaids, she must give John all the mermaid cards Ooh, she is holding. All of them. If John receives the card he requested, John's turn continues and he ask again any player for the magical creature card he is holding. He may choose to ask the same player again for another magical creature card. Oh, my God, the amount of viciousness yeah that yeah, could be done yeah. in our group of people this seems like a could take that slash
0: press your luck sort of game uh, like that even with that that's funny have you got any dragons uh go you wish you liar you wish. <laughs> yeah. i like
1: that you wish
0: yeah yeah <laughs> which is also kind of hilarious because a lot of those creatures are things that you like you catch a fairy you uh you get a wish and that's what i heard are there any leprechauns uh, you wish. Mm. Oh well, there's no goals <laughs> for me then. <laughs> I have no
1: idea. <laughs> They're so cute. Yeah, there's a wizard. There's a witch. There's a pretty little unicorn. So how can people
0: <laughs> find out about this game?
1: Uh, youwishgames.com oh, or Easy. If, if you're in the area, definitely please go check out. Uh, if, especially Bothell area, Washington. Mm-hmm. Zulu's Board Game Cafe. Pick up some food to go because their food specials are ridiculous. Nice. Such good food. That is
0: awesome. Uh, Joe, you've been watching uh, some television. Heck yeah. Uh, how has the Expanse been going? We're now we're not done with this season Yet, right? No,
2: I believe we're on episode nine as of this airing. All right, right on. Yeah, uh, it's been great. I really enjoyed the first maybe four or five episodes. Uh, We're finally getting into the meat of the politics. The Belters are coming back, finally having their time in the sun, or sort of maybe other planets. (laughs) Uh, And. Honestly, like, I kind of got a little bored last season because they Mm -hmm. spent the whole time on an alien planet. And, like, the storyline was slow and really didn't do a good job of doing the Game of Thrones thing where they have all the different characters kind of interact their Mm -hmm. own way and then come together at the end. Yeah. Which is what I love most about this show is when you're like, oh, my God, they're in, like, nine different parts of space. Where are they all going to end up? Uh, This one has unfortunately done that in the weird way in the last couple of episodes where at the beginning you're like, oh, this is really cool. I see where they're all going to come together. And then six, seven, eight, and nine are all like, hey, we're going to take our sweet time getting all these characters here <laughs> when really they could have kind of gotten it all yeah. happen a lot faster. Mm-hmm. But that being said, one, CGI, incredible. Two, sets, incredible. Three, acting, phenomenal. Really? And I'm like, BJ, I love space shows. You yeah. know, I could sit in front of a screen and just watch them fly a ship, and <laughs> probably be entertained. Uh, so I have been really enjoying this, and I've had a lot of people tell me they've picked up the Expanse uh, from season one because of it being on Amazon Prime.
0: Yeah, and that was it. Used to be on Sci-Fi, and then moved to Amazon Prime. Yes, yes. Right on, right on. Yeah. Um.
2: So you know, I've been enjoying it. Uh, I would say that if you're looking for a good kind of like mix of suspense slash political drama. This is a good show for you. Plus if you like kind of aliens, you know, that's fun.
0: And that's kind of the fun part about that as well, because yeah, we've seen Game of Thrones, we've seen the high fantasy sort of thing. But when it gets into that sci-fi ness of it, uh it's it's fun because again, it's it's familiar. We've seen a lot of space shows, but it's how they take it and it's what their take on it, especially if they have familiar stuff. Like when you're talking about the belters, they're in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. So like you like none of us have been there, obviously, but we know of it just for growing up.
2: Yeah, and if you were kind of turned off by the whole like uh, proto molecule and the alien part of it, uh, they kind of veer away from that a lot in this last season, which I think is smart because really the dynamic between all the different classes and all the different humans and Martians and Belters is what made the show great. Minus the detective story, which they veer away from in season one because yeah. clearly mm-hmm. that's a one season thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I would definitely recommend it. And for those of you who don't know what I mean by uh, they kind of weave it like Game of Thrones, generally it's storytelling. You either follow a main character and then they're in most of the scenes and that's how you do the story or it's a bunch of main characters and they kind of weave all of their stories together. Yeah. That, for me, the second one,
0: Money. That's that's where I like to be. And, and you really need to do that when you've got such a uh, pun intended expansive universe. When it comes to hey. it, when you got people on other planets, you can't always have them communicating or talking. I mean, with like Star Wars, they get away with that with the little holograms and stuff like that along those lines. But when you've got different political parties on different planets, like it's hard to have them come together except for the big like events that are going. to... Like, necessary for all of that. Yeah,
2: and you really get a good story that way if you have, especially, like I said, those different classes. And you can't mm-hmm. really, how is the character going to go and interact with all the
0: different classes if they're not, you know, always there? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Joe, you and I have been talking a lot of Magic in the recent weeks, and this isn't anything about Kaldime, but it looks like Magic the Gathering is going to be coming out with an action RPG very soon called Magic Legends, And if you've ever played something like Diablo, Torchlight, or Path of Exile, you'll kind of know what a fast action RPG is. Uh, You'll be, you know, some sort of, especially like, well, with this, you'll be a caster. You'll be a planeswalker. Um, But it's basically what you come down to is the camera's positioned in an isometric top-down angle. And you're going to spend the time gearing up and preparing going into town doing your stuff, getting your stuff, getting your spells ready, because this is a Magic the Gathering game. So you're not necessarily going to have a deck, but you're going to have a number of spell slots, which you can use for instants or sorceries basically those are the same thing um but also like summoning creatures and uh even like stuff like enchantments as well yeah
2: this game had completely flown under my radar i don't even know how i hadn't heard about it but uh yeah if you think about it as a dungeon crawler rpg so similar to the diablo mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. you build a character level based uh equipment base that you get more of over time and then you essentially do dungeons that spawn randomly generated creatures yeah and throughout you know different difficulties yeah um It seems really cool.
0: Yeah, and I love it because, first off, um, they're using, like, even with a lot of the spells, and you can go check out, we saw this via IGN. They had a whole, like, deck building uh, tutorial and a trailer with it. But you begin by selecting your very own personal planeswalker uh, with three main character-defining choices. Your loadout of gear and artifacts, your class, and your deck. Uh, And you start off picking a color. So whichever, you know, you know, Necromancer is the is the black mage. The white mage is usually healing and justice. Green is going to be a lot of creatures. Red are going to be like goblins and sorceries, and blue is going to be like charming and mind magic. And the thing is, though, is once you get beyond that and you start collecting cards, because that's how you get it as you're going around out there, um, you can then change your deck into however many colors you want. Starting off, you will only be able to do like two colors, uh, but it, it It seems to work well in terms of, like, if you know how magic works, like, they're even talking about how, like, a lot of the colors seem to have some good synergy in terms of, like, necromancy magic, the black magic with the white magic. So you will drain your own life to uh, boost your undead forces, but then you can gain more life by using the healing spells of the white mage. So... And even if you pick like a blue mage later on, you can totally switch colors and suddenly you can make like a red green deck and be totally fine with that.
2: Yeah, I like the idea of gaining new spells with different rarities similar to where you would in the card game where you maybe your common isn't as powerful as your mythic rare spell, for instance. And then as you go along using it or finding more of it, it levels up. That's a very interesting idea, especially if you think about the way that drops would work in a normal dungeon crawler. Yeah. As opposed to rolling, say, an item, you might roll packs or you might roll specific spells. Uh, I like where it's going. I am interested to see if it has a lot of depth because the big problem with these dungeon crawlers is they run out of content by the time you get to the end game. yeah. So uh, hopefully they have a good idea by it. I mean, Magic has a huge history and a gajillion cards. So
0: yeah, and it's one of the fun things along this line as well is that they're retaining kind of that random aspect of Magic because you'll have the fort, you'll have a, a twelve card deck, quote unquote, of all the spells that you have accumulated for this loadout. You go out there, but you can only cast four spells at a time, which are you know the X Y B A buttons. And when you hit a button and you use it, it goes away and a random card from your deck refreshes and that spot so you might have like a little like short burst damage spell in your b slot well the next time you see it it might be in your x slot so it kind of keeps you on your toes and that's what magic does in terms of just like the randomly the, whatever you randomly get from your decks um y- anything could happen at any point in time they want to try to keep that so it's kind of neat on that end and i think it's multiplayer too so
2: i mean this mm-hmm. looks like yeah. a fun thing you know, just even if you only like put 20 or 30 hours into it, I mean, you're going to get your time's worth.
0: Yeah, and there's going to have some. There's going to be some monetization uh, on the back end. Not sure how that's going to be going yet, so we don't know what's going on with that. And it looks like it's starting fairly soon. Open beta on PC March 23rd. So, I mean, okay, not fairly soon. Maybe about, you know, like two months. But uh, enough time to uh, watch those videos and uh, think about all of your wizard poker uh, shenanigans. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Dungeon Crawlers. Series. You know, I played a lot of Diablo 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> so a
2: magic based one intrigues me. I'm very excited to see how this goes.
0: Yeah. Uh, before we get to the Geek Sheet, just quickly, uh, the Godzilla vs. Kong official trailer has gone out. We got it up on our Facebook page. Uh, I thought it looks amazing. I'm very excited for this. And every time I see giant monsters uh, kicking the crap out of each other, it's kind of one of those things where Mm. I'm like, I'm all in for this. This
2: is what I wanted. Yeah. One monster versus another monster. We don't need a big storyline or anything. I want Godzilla and Kong fighting. I want Kong throwing right hooks, and I want the Godzilla hyper beam, and I saw
0: both in the trailer. (laughs) Stoked. Exactly. Really, really excited to see all of this. And I mean, I think there's even, yeah, there's actually a Skull Island animated series (laughs) that has been announced by Netflix going back to Kong's home, and it looks like it's the same people who made the Castlevania and the, uh, oh, the the, the gods one that I ended up watching that I can't remember the name of. Anyway, you can search for it, because they're all in Netflix. Netflix, but it's going to be dealing with uh, all of that stuff. Not a whole lot of details are out on that. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. But basically, Netflix did say a shipwrecked crew, an island of monsters, and one king to rule them all. Skull Island is a new anime, anime series set in Legendary's MonsterVerse from Powerhouse Anime, which are the ones that made uh, uh, Blood of Zeus was the one, the other movie, uh, the show. Yeah, I got there. Um, so that'll be excited to see what they do with that because their animation is really great. The the uh, The movie coming out fairly Fairly soon, hopefully this year. I don't know, delays, but I think it's going to be out on HBO Max at the very least. So oh, yeah. You can watch it on the theaters, watch it at home, do whatever you want with all of that. But now it is time to get to... The Geek Sheet with Vicki B. All right, Vicki, what do you got over there?
1: So, one of my favorite things is fan theories. We all know Oh, it. yes, yes. Uh, was, uh, it's
0: either that or memes.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes fan theories can be memes. True. It's, 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 a, it's a weird cycle. Anywho... My favorite thing is when creators come out and say, oh no, yeah, that fan theory, you were right.
0: Really? And
1: there have been a few yeah. instances where that's happened.
0: There's been a couple, and uh, I can't really think of any like Ralph right the hand, so I'm sure you have a couple. I have a list. <laughs> Riker.com, yeah, created, uh,
1: conf- uh, where you have creators confirming wild fan theories. All right. One of them coming from Aladdin, 1992 Disney movie. Oh,
0: so, wait, wait. I think I know this one. Go for it. Okay. That the merchant at the beginning is the genie.
1: Yes. Yes. So, uh, see, it would not break. It broke. It broke. Uh, so one of the directors <laughs> of the film, Ron, uh, Ron Clements, you know, granted the fans wish. And when he confirmed their <laughs> hypo- the hypothesis was true, it's like that was the whole intention originally. Yeah. Uh, we even had at the end of the movie where he would reveal himself to be the genie. And of course, Robin Williams did do the voice of the peddler just through this uh, through story changes and some editing. We lost the reveal in the end. So that's an urban legend that actually is true.
2: That's pretty awesome. That makes sense because it's probably one of those things where you get to the end of the movie and like the feel good kind of gets like lost a little bit because you know you're just doing a kind of a reveal.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, just it is like a bit. they're uh, apparently with um, one of the Disney movies, uh, they had to go through so many crazy rewrites. Uh, the Emperor's New Groove.
1: Ooh, oh, I love okay. that movie. I do too. It's there's, so underappreciated.
0: There's a there's a making of it. I think on Disney Plus. No, 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 no. It's not on Disney Plus because they never released it like on their wide platforms. But it's on. YouTube that talks about how it was supposed to be more um, historically accurate.
1: Yeah, because it's not.
0: It's not at all. And then they basically had to use the animation they had and work through it to also continue on to make this movie that they wanted to be more hipper for the kids. And I just ended up reading a whole Reddit thread, a whole Reddit wormhole about that thing.
1: And I mean, it would have been really cool if they did do something that was historically accurate and did have, like, actors who, you know, were of, uh, I believe they were probably down in, like, Peru or like their Inca yeah. kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Eartha Kitt, David Spade. Yeah. And I'm blinking on his name because I kept thanking Joe from Family Guy. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> god, Patrick yeah. Warburton. That one. <laughs> <laughs> like all three. Like, he them. was also the tick. Yes. Like this a phenomenal cast. Mm-hmm. And like also uh, John Goodman. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's Pacha. Like, oh, my God. It's, it's a fantastic movie. And it's probably up there in my Disney films. thats like, Best ones <laughs> of all time. Okay. Back to the list. Anywho, this one is actually fairly recent, mm. having to do with one of our favorite characters, Spider-Man.
0: Oh, okay. Do you guys think you know this one? No. So,
1: no. Well, not so much Spider-Man. Let me, let me okay, fix it. Okay, Peter okay, Peter Parker.
0: All right. There's an alien.
1: So we no. believe that uh, in the MCU that the first appearance of Spider-Man was in Spider-Man, or not Spider-Man Homecoming. It was in uh, Civil War. yeah. But that's not the case. What? Everyone was speculating. So in Iron Man 2, there was a scene with a little boy in the crowd and that's uh, wearing an Iron Man mask and he's standing up to the rogue robot at the Stark Expo. Oh, yeah, because
0: it's the big expo where Mm -hmm. the robot goes nuts at that. Yeah.
1: And this little boy is like, I have my Iron Man helmet on. I am going to protect everyone. So Tom Holland, who portrays Spider-Man in Spider-Man Homecoming and pretty much in the MCU, everything confirmed the the theory that that was actually Peter Parker. Uh, It was back in an interview with Huffington Post back in 2017. Holland said that Kevin Feige, the president of Marvel Studios, told him the young boy is definitely Peter Parker. And, you know, he's really bad at keeping secrets, so we know it's true.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And also, I mean, like, some people may have just forgotten about Iron Man 2. Not the worst MCU movie, but not great.
1: Yes, that's a good way to put it. But that is an awesome moment. That definitely fits.
0: Yeah. 100% on that. And it doesn't redeem the movie, but at the same point, again, fun easter egg in mm-hmm. a way to connect that to the larger MCU universe. That's it awesome. It makes for great
1: memes. Yeah. Uh going back, I think I I've played a lot of Mario, but I don't think I actually played Super Mario Bros 3. Oh, Do you that, guys?
0: That's one of that's the best Mario game uh, for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Don't at me, people. Like, <laughs> I know there's plenty of other great ones as well, but it was it was the standard. It pushed the Nintendo Entertainment System to its limits. It's fantastic.
1: So the fan theory is that Super Mario Bros. 3 is a stage play. So they think oh, oh, yeah. uh, fans of this theory believe the evidence is the scenery. The obstacles appear to be bolted to the background like stage props. And the level ends with the character going off stage to the right. And, of yep. course, the entire game starts with a curtain rise.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like Uh It totally makes sense in that like because even when you can go, you can go behind the scenery in some places Mm -hmm. um, and kind of fall down behind it and kind of go, and you're basically backstage when it comes down to it. So all of that absolutely makes sense.
1: And uh, series creator Shigeru Mm Miyamoto revealed the fan theory was true during a September 2015 Q&A with the UK Nintendo Twitter account stating the entire experience is just a performance by the characters.
0: That's actually pretty amazing. And I mean, even like the second movie was, or second movie, second game was about uh, like dreaming, okay. but it was actually a game that was called Oh Doki Doki Panic okay. in Japan. Totally different characters. They were just going to do another Mario game, which is what the uh, Super Mario The Lost Levels were, like the super hard one. But then they were just like, "Eh, I don't think people really want this Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So they just reskinned Mario, Luigi, Toad, and Princess into that game and just turned it into that. And that's why it doesn't play like any other Mario game ever. Gotcha. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, This one going back to movies. So there's a scene from the movie The Wolverine that foreshadows the ending of Logan. The so Wolverine. the Wolverine is the samurai one.
0: Okay, it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, I, that was the one. Silver Samurai. He goes yes. to Japan. I missed that one. Yeah, they. Yeah, that movie turns <laughs> into a giant mech at the end. Things, it, happen.
1: <laughs> it <had laughs> Things so, happen. It had so much potential for being good because the whole Japanese culture and him almost marrying a Japanese woman in the comics. It was a really big thing in the comics, and it could have. It had the potential to be something amazing. Totally. It just wasn't that great of a movie. But there is a part where one of the characters, she, she, um, uh, she I think, could dream the future.
2: Oh, okay. Yes, that character.
1: Uh, Yukio. So she tells him that she saw his death. And he says he will die on his back with blood everywhere and says he will be holding his own heart in his hand. And the fan theory contended that this was not a reference to something in that first film, but rather foretelling of how he ultimately dies in Logan. He dies while holding his, quote unquote, heart, which is really the hand of his daughter, Laura.
2: Oh, yeah. oh, so yeah, director
1: James okay. Mangold confirmed this was the case directly on to a fan on Twitter on March 2017.
0: By the way, I got chills. <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> chills just now. Oh my God. <laughs> and you know what's also That's really in- sweet? You know what's also interesting? I had to look it up because I'm like, Yukio sounds really familiar. Yukio is the name of the. Um, uh, I, I don't. Uh, she didn't have a whole lot of screen time, but in Deadpool and Deadpool, and actually Deadpool Two, okay, the uh, girlfriend of Negasonic.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes, it's the yes. same character. Just different powers. D- yeah, well, she didn't really have any powers besides the dreaming thing, so she was pretty useless.
0: Yeah, it's and I mean it's Deadpool, and you don't really get to see any of her powers. She's just there, just a saying, little bit. Like,
1: <laughs> she had like a whip thingy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Side note: Dreaming the future, uh, not so fun. No. no. No, you you become the you uh, essentially you become Cassandra and then it's like, well people aren't going to believe you and then it happens you're like, see? I'm yeah. going to pass on that power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty uh, pretty okay with that one as well.
1: Uh, do you guys play The Legend of Zelda? By I chance? have, absolutely. So, the fan theory, it's like anyone who's played the ga- the Legend of Zelda series knows that almost every entry uh, broadly follows the same outline. Mm-hmm. So, while some argue this means the games are simply just a reimagining of the same story being retold throughout different ages, Others suggest that every title links together through a complex timeline. So the theory details how the games take place over three separate timelines that split according to how the ending of each game is resolved. In 2011, Nintendo released the Hyrule Historia, a book that paints a detailed history of the series and the in-game universe. And in it, the full timeline for the franchise was revealed for the first time, officially confirming that there is, in fact, a split timeline.
0: Oh, so they went a little bit more kind of like Star trek When they split the timelines, I was thinking more along the lines, it would be like almost like a multiverse sort of thing where there would be, you know, it's just it's it's Link and Zelda and Ganon Mm -hmm. and whomever Ganondorf and all of those that are just on different planes of existence, and it's just each one accepting, you know, like doing their thing, but that's the one constant.
1: I mean, we're all doing the multiverse type movies, it seems like, so you might as well either have a multiverse Zelda series. Yeah, Link,
0: enter the uh, Zeldaverse. (laughs) Right. Did you guys see the poster for the series
2: they're creating? I think it's on Mm -hmm. Netflix. No. Yeah, dude, it's the, oh, I can't remember the actor's name. He played in Game of Thrones. He was the brother that died who was trying to uh, protect uh, one of the Starks.
0: Oh, yeah. The oh gosh, I can't remember
2: the Uh, crippled
0: boy Stark.
2: (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah,
0: no, 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 no. I I know who you're talking about, and it, yeah, it's I'm just looking it up right now. Uh, is it really?
2: Oh, dude, it, I saw it, and I immediately the first thing I thought was, I don't know if you can make this a series. Like, what is this going to be about? Is this going to be high fantasy? Is it going to be adventure? Are we going to get. Him just throwing a boomerang around.
0: Well, uh, it was a fan. Uh, oh, poster. No, oh. looks like it's not going to be happening. It's not real. Oh. I don't know I yet. Getcha. I don't know for sure because I heard originally that Netflix did want to do a series with that. Maybe that was just like a. I, hey. I remember that too, but yeah, who knows if forgotten. Yeah. It off looks the like, yeah, yeah. The po- the poster has Courage is Not Forgotten written on it with the dates 3 3 2021. This poster had fans convinced that the Netflix show was about to drop, but it looks like they're even trying to find it's a trailer. It's
1: from Nanny McPhee. Oh, and In yes, love actually.
0: Uh, One it of those. It looks like the poster has been just fan-made. It was actually first shared on Reddit uh, about a year ago. So I no. think it's just a little wishful thinking, unfortunately. Well, I wonder if that means
2: we are going to get a series, though.
0: Yeah, I don't know yet. It looks like uh, the Wall Street Journal has revealed that they, there will be a series, and it will be based in the land of Hyrule, but lots of rumors around production. Netflix has not officially announced anything. So, right now, it just might be a pipe dream. Ooh. Okay, so that
1: actor you were thinking of is Thomas Brody uh, Sangster. And, fun fact he's actually going to be appearing in a live action version of the graphic novel Mouse Guard.
2: Mouse Guard, oh. which
1: has the most adorable art. If you've never seen it, I do recommend go checking it out. Uh, also, Andy Circus, surprise, surprise, he's gonna be in it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, do you need a CG character? Get Andy.
1: Yep, we got is, is Andy available, but yeah, no, he was also in Maze Runner, Love Actually, the okay, Queen's Gambit. Yeah. yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. Oh, he's in the
0: Queen's Gambit. That's right. Like, That's where I recently saw him. I'm like,
1: that guy looks very familiar, and like he's like in his 20s or whatever, and he still looks like he's 13. Mm-hmm. Like, he's adorable.
0: Poor guy. <laughs> what else you You're got, Vicky?
1: adorable. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I can't stop. Okay, no, I got to stop. Uh, So, RoboCop.
0: All right. Moving
1: on to this whole, you know, wild fan theories. There's been this fan theory that RoboCop is actually an allegory for the resurrection of Christ.
0: I was about to say that. Robo-Jesus.
1: Robo-Jesus. I don't like this one. (laughs) (laughs) And the director, Paul Verhoeven, also believed, and he confirmed the idea in a 2010 interview with MTV. The point of RoboCop, of course, is a Christ story. It's about a guy who's crucified in the first 50 minutes and then is resurrected in the next 50 minutes. And then it's like the super cop of the world, but is also a Jesus figure as he walks over water at the end
0: you really I don't even remember that part.
1: I might. Huh. I don't know if it's like a I. I haven't seen it. Or maybe I did when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, that's one of those ones that is. It, it's definitely a satire on ultra violence and police state stuff like that. So you got to kind of take all that with a grain of salt. Super violent, super gory, and I. I haven't seen the remake. Uh, I refuse to. The original one's still pretty good, and it's got mm. Red from that '70s show as the bad guy.
2: Okay, is that the one where the police guy in the beginning
0: of the movie gets killed, and then he comes back to like save his wife or something? Well, it's the, the, the kind of like he gets killed because Detroit is just a hellscape of uh, lawlessness. Uh, he gets killed as one of the police officers, and they need somebody. They need a body to be part of the robot because they found out that basically AI is not going to be perfect when it comes down to it and you need the humans to be able to do these sort of things. He does come back. He lays down the law, It's very emotionally detached, but there's still the human in him that's kind of like, here's some memories, here's some memories. So you do see flashes of his kid <laughs> and his wife and so that's that sort of thing he's not coming back to save his wife he's getting some of his humanity back via the memories that he still has
1: I can't I I don't think I can watch this now because I was watching an episode of Bob's Burgers and they kind of parody it a little bit and it was like Bob's mustache they needed to rebuild his mustache or something like that and it was so bad but it was so good so that's all I'm thinking about right now Uh, but if you guys want to see these other fan theories that ended up being true check out our Facebook page I have them posted there
0: yeah I think you should uh, I don't want to say homework, Vicky, for RoboCop. I think you might enjoy it, though. I,
1: I, I definitely on my list. I That and Blade Runner. I've actually Ooh, never yeah. seen Blade Runner. I want to see it all. Movie night. Still
0: holds up. Yep. Except,
1: except not the uh, director's version. That's the one I need to stay away from.
0: Yeah, that one's a little confusing, long, and uh, unnecessary.
1: All right. Homework <laughs> that I may or may not get to. But yeah, right. until next time, stay nerdy.